We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Soccer Radio. It is our midweek show. Our Cleveland Browns preview. I'm here with Tommy Avance, and later on the Athletic Cleveland, Zach Jackson joins us to talk all about the 2019 Cleveland Browns. First things first, Tommy, how you doing, man? Uh, yeah, yeah, man. I still think I'm hungover from Sunday's tailgate, dude. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the way you get back on the air with the Rams talk this week. First thing you talk about is the hangover. Dude. I it must have been a party. I can't wait to ask you about that, man. I want, I did want to get the the early intros out of the way and you had to throw that right at me. So 
You asked how that. I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that real quick. This episode is sponsored by Jim Hawkins, Book Hollywood's team. We also remind you that we are available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review in case you just, just missed it. We are now a fully loaded Rams podcast network. We have shows on Sunday through Friday. The, the only night we're off is on Saturdays. That's right. We are every day providing you different shows, different people giving you a different perspective. So if you don't like one, well, guess what? We got other choices for you. And that includes your show, Rams and Censor, which had a heck of a conversation the other day. And quite frankly, I'm surprised more people didn't listen. So go out there and go check it out. You talked about the dynasties that were or could that have never been, were that never were. And the interesting perspective now about the, the Rams entering the era of the Patriots and can they overpower that? Can they overcome that and build their own dynasty? Great conversation. So go check that out. Go check out Rams Uncensored. It's worth the listen. But here we are now. And this game actually is a little important to me. It's a little special to me. I live in Northeast Ohio. I have a ton of kids that are my students who are Browns fans. I have a couple friendly... Um, how, how do I say it? Friendly... They're not wagers, so to speak, but friendly kind of bets. Well, if, if it's <laughs> not a bet, bets. What, it, it can't well, be a bet, honest, right? It can, but what's on the line? It, it, it's all a bet. Whether you're trading well, a yeah, peanut butter and jelly sandwich or five bucks. There's, well, because you know you gotta be careful when you're a teacher you know, to go out there and talk about bets with students. So, so let me lay it out there for a friendly little wager. Okay, and this wager is what clothing will I be wearing? The or my student be wearing on the following day? Will it be me wearing a Browns shirt? Or will my students be wearing, that's right, a Rams shirt? Oh, and it's a shameful bet. I it's love a shame these. bet. It's, it's, not a, it's not a money bet because that would get me fired, but just a little bit of a playful hedge with some of my students. And, uh, you know, it, it, could be, it could be ugly for me because <laughs> my, I don't know, if, have I ever shown you a picture of my classroom before? No. Oh, man, it's, it's covered in Ram stuff, man. There's Ram stuff everywhere. That's got to drive your students nuts. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> you know, Manny from over there, the PFUFA gave me his flag from when we met at the, at the Hall of Fame thing last year. So that big Rams flag is hanging from my bulletin board. There's a Rams helmet in there. I've got my Jack Youngblood signed picture in there. I mean, there's Rams stuff everywhere. The kids all know that I, you know, Moonlight is a podcaster. So it's really going to be fun this week and this weekend. And then at Pittsburgh in November as well. We are right there smack dab in the, that zone between Pittsburgh and Cleveland fans. So this is a kind of a big year for me in the school with the students. Half of them are Steelers fans, half of them are Browns fans, and the Rams are going to be in town for both of them. So that's going to be fun. Dude, how hard of a time do your students give you for being a Rams fan and, and living in Ohio? Well, no matter where I've been, I've always been given a hard time as a Rams fan. Oh, and of course. It, you know, whether I was in Colorado or in Italy. But here's another thing, too. I live in Youngstown, okay, and what NFL owner whose hometown was in Youngstown, Ohio? I have no idea. Eddie DeBartlow with the 49ers. And so his family now owns a team. So they have a headquarters in Ohio, in Youngstown, that has the 49ers stuff all over. Matter of fact, they're doing a helmet symposium here, hosted by the Yorks down at Youngstown State University in November. I'm actually going to try and go. 
So <laughs> I can't escape anything. Our arch rivals even have a footprint here. So oh, wow. it's not fun to be a Rams fan. There were few and far between, but there's also a history here that we're going to talk about in the podcast as well. The Rams used to play in Cleveland, and there are certain roots that are still here. That One of their stadiums they played is Shaw Stadium. I've actually been to Shaw Stadium. There are several just neat connections to the Rams that emanate through the Cleveland area. They've had several title games they play each other in. There's that 1987 Monday night game, which happened to be the first Rams game I ever watched. That was also Eric Dickerson's last game with the team. So there's several different things that are special about the Rams, the Browns, the Cleveland area. I wonder if we could find someone at some point from Cleveland who was a Rams fan because they were generationally passed through at some point before the Rams went to Los Angeles from Cleveland. How cool would that be? That would be really cool, and there's a, there's always that chance of someone listening to the show. So, hey, there you go. If you are a generational Rams fan who that was passed on from when they were in Cleveland, let us know. Send us an email at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. You can also hook us up on Twitter at Talk Rams, that's our, our home area, or my Twitter at DC Apollo or Tommy at Ram Tommy in LA, and let us know because if that's the case, we'd love to talk to you, man. That would be really neat history, and that's how we got started here as a podcast was talking about the history of the team, and we'd like to get back to that a little bit because this is the weekend to do it. Really, the Rams and Browns playing each other. Before we get there, there are some things about last weekend that I want to talk to you about. Uh, the injuries, awesome Bly, that looks serious. Apparently, it's not. Tyler Higby. That looked and was reported to be pretty serious of puncturing a lung or something. It was lung where he was bleeding a lung contusion. Was that, was that what it was? He was bleeding, so. coughing up blood, goes to the hospital. Apparently, they're both day-to-day, so talk about dodging a bullet. But you were there. You were. It was a big party. You even had some, uh, some fun with certain folks that we know very well who flew in for the game. What was it like for you? It was great, man. I mean, first of all, I don't know what the rules are like in the rest of the country but in los angeles the tailgating rules are pretty the window is pretty small so it the parking lots are only open for five hours before kickoff so you got to get in there get set up get moving and you usually have about three and a half hours to tailgate before you got to break back down and then try to get into the stadium on time because the lines there's so many entrances in the coliseum but Everyone likes to funnel into the closest entrances to said parking lots, right? So some of them will have thousands and thousands and thousands of people trying to get in, and then some entrances will have like a couple hundred. So you have to go find the sweet spot. It's a pain in the butt, man. But we got up at, I was up at 4.45 in the morning getting ready, getting out there. We were at the tailgate meet spot at 7.30, gates open at 8, get in there, get set up, and Start cracking beers at 9 a.m., man, by ugh, by 11, it's just a whirlwind of people, you know, coming left and right. And there was people from all over the United States that were coming up to us, introducing themselves. Some of them, we knew who they were right away because their pictures and their names are on Twitter. The rest of them are, you know, fake names, fake avatars and so they're coming up hey man what's up and i'm like hey who are you (laughs) and they were like oh i'm so-and-so from twitter i'm like oh what's up man you know and just taking pictures with everybody i got to meet um jake and alexis from downtown rams that was fun we had a good time and dude the best part was seeing 
Jake and Brian have a conversation with each other <laughs> and take selfies. That was worth the price of admission right there, dude. It was and, so great. <laughs> and Jake, uh, Jake did unblock Brian, right? He did. He did. We'll see how long it lasts, but he did for now. Is Brian going to get three strikes? You're out. I'm, if I was a betting man, I would take the win with Jake giving him the third block in less than 90 days. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if Brian, folks want, told him, Brian told him right to his face too and, and he tells us to everybody and he told it right to Jake's face and you gotta respect it he's like listen in person I'm a great guy on Twitter I'm a jerk <laughs> you know it is what it is don't take it personal and uh, you know at least you know he holds his ground with his MO on how he handles his social media account well you know folks if you happen to be interested in why Jake blocked <laughs> blocked him Please go check out that that conversation. It was what a couple months ago. It was hilarious. Yeah. The reason why I blocked him was hilarious. It was pretty funny. It was it was well worth the uh, well worth the viewing. Okay, the game itself. What did you make of the Rams and the Saints? I mean, am I surprised in what happened? No. I mean, listen, Drew Brees is our age. Okay, one one hit to the hand and he's done. What does that tell you? When, you know, you shouldn't be playing football when you're forty. <laughs> well, that could happen I mean, to anybody, I saw, man. I that could happen hit. to anybody. No, I'm just listen. Father time. I'm 41, man. I could barely get out of bed because of all the years I played ball. I'm just saying, you know, him getting hurt. I'm not surprised. He he was one hit away from getting hurt. You know, bodies just don't they don't work as good as they used to, right? Um. So when he went down, I wasn't surprised, and. After that, I just kicked my feet up for the rest of the game. I wasn't even worried one bit that we were going to lose that game at all. At that point, it almost made the game less exciting, and it gave the Saints fans a reason to continue to complain and continue to cry because now they can say to us for the next however long, well, if Drew Brees would have played the whole game, we would have won. And that that's probably the only reason why. You know, when he went down, I was just, I kind of put my head down and everyone's like, why? This is great. It's a guaranteed win. I'm all, duh. But now we got to listen to them have another excuse when if he would have played 60 minutes and we would have beat him down, then they would have had to go somewhere else with it. Probably back to the refs. Which, (laughs) by the way, I just want to note this and I stand by this 100%. The Rams would have won that game. You're talking about Drew Brees and honestly, yeah, I'm sure the game's closer if Brees is playing, but... You know what? Drew didn't look all that impressive. The Saints didn't look all that impressive. The thing kind of dawned on me, and I, and I talked about in the last show, is the Rams are the better team. They are the deeper team. They have more weapons. The Saints have Kamara, and they have Thomas. Michael Thomas, yeah. That's it. And the Rams, the, the Rams secondary is really showing that. They were really showing how they can stop them. Breeze looked okay, but the Rams defense is more than holding its own in that game before Breeze even went down. And I want to hear. And, of course, I don't know if you saw the whole Twitter ratioing going on. on my <laughs> I don't know if you saw that after my comments on as the social media operator that day. But when I talked about the uh, the pounder getting call, calling back a touchdown, you and I have seen that numerous times before. The Rams have been hit hard before. They've had turnovers wiped off the board, returns wiped off the board. They've had touchdowns wiped off the board via things like what happened in that game with the fumble. I mean, they happened, and, and I was just ratioed to all get out by all these Saints fans who just was like, well, you're, you know, I'm not even attacking you. I'm not even talking about you. It was just 
bananas overall. The most activity I've seen operating the social media account in years. And it all was me saying, dude, you guys are, you know, this is ridiculous. It is, it is ridiculous. You know, the, the referees screw everyone all the time. You know, every kick return that almost, well, I, let's say 95% of Tavon Austin's punt returns were called back for holding. Oh, yeah, remember his first year especially, many, man. He probably had 20. He probably would have broke Devin Hester's record if they wouldn't have called all those back. You know what I mean? Like, come on, dude. And you don't hear me crying. I, every time I see a touchdown now, I don't even get excited. Even if, it, you know, if the Rams scores a touchdown, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to get excited and jump up and down until the ref says that we have a touchdown. <laughs> I'm just not because you're going to get let down so much. Even when, you know, I used to tell my brother all the time when we watch football on TV, you know, he's a 49er fan and they would throw a touchdown and he would jump up in the air. Yeah, before the receiver would even secure the ball. And then he would drop it in the end zone and he'd be like, oh, and I'm like, dude, really? Isn't that a little too early of a celebration? You know, and everyone does it all the time. And mm-hmm. now that the referees completely control the game, like, I just wait until the ref. Because every touchdown's reviewed now. So what's the point of even getting excited until the review's done? And then when they say, touchdown is confirmed, then, okay, I'm going to jump up and cheer. Well, you know? what was really frustrating to me in, in the course of that whole interaction that I, was, I had, I made the simple point. I said, listen, this has happened a lot. It happens to the Rams two or three times a year where a touchdown's taken off the board. And the argument being made is, you're full of it, this, that. I mean, I'm just, do you watch football or you just watch your team? And it, you just get mad when your team gets injustice. If you watch football, you know what happens. You've seen it happen. It happened to the Steelers against the Saints last year with a bad call. They happen. And the worst part about it to me was it was a simple explanation for that call. It was a bad call, by the way. It was a fumble. But when the referee first saw it, it looked like an incompletion to him. He called it dead because it looked like an incompletion. That's all it was. It's all it was. If it looked like a fumble to him, he will let it go. But it looked like an incompletion. The announcers called it an incompletion. When I first saw that play, it looked like an incompletion. And then they showed the replay, and they showed the angle, and there was the fumble. So it Are may have been about obvious. The Cam Jordan when he ran yeah, back for a touchdown. Yeah, that was. A, I was. I saw it on the. As soon as they showed it on the Titantron, I was like, "Oh, it's fumble." I mean, well, yeah. That's why I'm, I'm not arguing that it wasn't a fumble. I'm saying first yeah. glance. First glance, I, I saw his incompletion. I didn't see the first bump, okay? And, of course, the referees probably seen the same thing I saw and that many people saw, and that was first glance, you thought it was incomplete, you call it dead. That's what you do. Of, so, of course, because in real time and when you're standing right there, everything's going 1,000 miles an hour. So to blame the ref on making the wrong call is stupid because if you were standing there with a stupid-ass footlocker shirt on, you would have made the wrong call too, right? A Saints fan, put a referee jersey on him. He would have made the wrong call too because it's going too fast. When they slow it down in replay, then you're like, oh, wow, that is a fumble. You know, you you need the replay to be able to get in, to get it right because the referee's not going to get it right every time. Well, and I have some theories on it too. I'm not sure if they're right theories, but the thought process to me is they're making replay too much of a crutch. So a referee, an official does not have, does not have to pay attention as much as they normally would because they have their security blanket behind them. I'm not saying that's something they do consciously, but subconsciously that could be something going on as well. Also, just the fact that they feel comfortable just saying, hey, okay, it'll be reviewed. You don't know that's going to be reviewed, but there you go. I wouldn't say that it's a crutch because I guarantee the referees are judged on accuracy. So oh, I guarantee I guarantee that. that they're that they're in on Park Street in New York City 
tallying every ref in every game on the, okay, he made this call, and they reviewed it, he was wrong. Boom, wrong, 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 right, right, right. Uh-oh, this referee, we need to pull him in and talk to him. Maybe he needs some more training. I, I bet you that's going down. It has to be, right? I mean. If, they, if they're not uh, good project managers, then it's not. If they're idiots, then it's not happening. But if they're smart people, that's what they should be doing. You should be I, graded. They are graded, but I'm just saying, listen, look at last. Look at the bad calls from last year. Look at even some of the bad calls we've seen early on. Some of those calls to me are calls that years ago they would have gotten. Uh, there's something different about the way officials are looking at the game. And the only thing to me that's really different is replay. So how is replay affecting these officials and the way they think and the way they, they behave towards officiating game? That's my question. I don't have a conclusion for you. I'm just sitting there thinking out loud going, you know what, why are we seeing more of these? Now, that doesn't mean there hasn't been bad officiating forever and a day because there has. I can, I can go back to the Rams Super Bowl season 2001 and I remember being ticked off that season because the officiating was that bad. It was bad. I go back to, remember that <laughs> the Des Bryant catch? No catch, catch. Remember that? Yeah. I mean, there's always been bad officiating, but of late, it's gotten so much worse. And what's the problem? What's and what's the solution? Let so, me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let's let's get into the the human part of of the sport, right? Sure. Because I think we get away from that a lot. So let me ask you this: If you're a referee, Derek, on the field, and you got a guy like Michael Thomas just barking at you the whole game, calling you names, what are you doing? Blah blah blah. Are you going to target him a little bit more if he's disrespecting you the whole time? Am I going to target him more? Are you going to... Listen, these guys are human beings too, right? You say the wrong thing to me on the field as the ref, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go, okay, I see you. And I'm going to focus more on that guy because he's got a mouth on him and he just disrespected me. I'm telling you right now that that goes down. It goes down. And the Saints have been talking trash on the referees in the NFL ever since the NFC Championship game, taking them to court, all this stuff. You don't think they, they're they tallying all this stuff and going, okay, so, you guys want to play like that? All right, all right. So hold on, hold on. You're, so what you're saying is somewhere in the back of the referee's mind, they're going to be tar- they're gonna be harder on the Saints. Uh, listen, people will do crazy things all the time, man. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised. I, 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 would, be. Say, I would say probably not. And the very reason probably not is because you don't want to hear from that fan base again. If you're and if you're thinking professionally, you know you're being graded. You know this game's in the spotlight. But even if it's unprofessionally, I don't want. I just want these guys to leave me alone. I mean, I Listen, get the thought if you, process if you of can, it. If you can, if you can focus on a guy more because he's he's mouthing off to you, and you can catch him in more penalties because you're paying attention to him more. Well, that's they're different. Doing, they're that is it. because they're doing it. Trust that is, me, that doing is it. them drawing attention to themselves. Of course, you're going to throw more penalties because before, when you may not have been paying attention to that dude as much, and now you're paying attention to him a lot because he's drawing attention to himself. He can do that through dude, drawing, or he can just do it from being, you know this, what? This is why I tell fans all the time if you're not watching inside the NFL on Showtime or mic'd up on the NFL network, you're not watching football. You're not watching what really goes down because you can hear everything down there. You can hear what the players are saying to the refs and the coaches and everybody. And the stuff that that's goes down on the field will, you know, verbally will change your perspective on how you watch the game. It's really weird though because I'll tell you what: if I'm on the field, if I'm playing a game, and I want calls to go my way, I'm not going to go up to a referee and be a jerk. I'm going to say, "Hey, how you doing?" 
Dude, are Great you day kidding for a me? Game Tom, today? Brady, Tom Brady is the <laughs> nicest dude ever yeah, to be I mean, You know why? Because he's smart. He ain't I mean, gonna talk trash. Yeah, yeah. Go up to him and buy him dinner. Hey, bro, how you guys doing, man? How's the wife? How's the son? I know he's just, you know, had his second birthday. And how's everybody? Dude, that shit goes down, bro. It does. Well, I mean, they're I'm, smart. The smart players make friends with the ref. The dumb ones mouth off to them. I'm just, that's what I would do. I would be, I'll be walking up there and just saying, you know, how, how are you doing? And if I see a problem later on, something's going out, like I'm just going to walk up and say, hey, just, you know what? I'm not trying to cause you a problem, but can you watch this play? Because this is happening and, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be happening. Can you just, and that would be it. That would be over and done with. And then I move on. You're not going to hear me yelling at a referee because Mm-mm. I don't want to be called. To him. I would go up to him when I played and I would be like, hey, man, you did me dirty on that last one, bro. You sure? You sure that was holding? You know, and he's like, you know what? I'm not. I'm sorry, Tommy. It was just I, I, I had to get you, and I wasn't sure, but it is what it is. I was like, all right, man. All right, but I see how it is. And just smile and walk away, and they'll just <laughs> laugh like my bad, you know. But I never mouthed off to him, dude, because I knew better. I knew better. But, but usually, you know, in those situations, they usually find a way to help you know get one back for you, and not yeah. it's not meant to even it out. And people talk about well, referees don't even it out. I think they do. And I don't even know, like, I, the, I guess the word for the episode today is subconsciously, because I'm not even sure it's a conscious thing. You know, you, you get your head, you mess this guy over, and you're paying more attention, and next time you see that guy get you, they flag him. You know, it, maybe they wouldn't have noticed it before, but because they, because they already hurt you once by accident, they go back and they try and even it out for you. So, you never know. But to the actual game itself, what did concern you about that game? Nothing. I wasn't concerned. <laughs> well, no, I mean after after watching the game, watching the offense, watching the defense, watching uh, some you know the injuries. Was there anything you left the game going? You know what? Hmm. This this is something I need to watch. This is this is to be honest with you. When you watch the game in person, you don't see none of that stuff that you see on TV. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different environment. You don't hear anything. I'm gonna start bringing AM uh, little earpieces so I can listen to the local AM. Uh, am call because i don't know what's going on out there i have no idea you can just see the game and the crowd is going crazy and the 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 people on the announcers are trying to pump you up and they're playing music it's nothing like watching it on tv dude so i i have to record the game and rewatch it just so i can have an analysis on it you know what i mean and i don't even have a dvr anymore because now i'm a streaming customer yeah so i'm still trying to figure all that out all right, so I have a comment for that, but before we get there, folks, you do want to go ahead and let you talk to our sponsors. They, they want to visit with you. It's my bookie. They even got a promo code with us on it. Check it out. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. All right, we're back. Check out my bookie, the promo code Rams Talk. In the meantime, oh yeah, about that that Rams Talk promo thing. Please make sure you listen to the promo, guys. If if you can support us through anything in terms financially, that does help us. That gives us the impressions we need for our campaign. If you and if you want to bet on a game, that's the place to go. Okay, so you were I was you were you saying you didn't really see anything that concerned you? I did see something that concerned me, and it was really too. It's really in the trenches. I know you loved that Clay Matthews hit, right? You loved it, didn't you? Which one? The one where he basically pancaked Bridgewater. I think I saw it. Remind you, <laughs> remember, I had like 30 beers. 
Okay? So I don't remember okay. much from the game. That's All why right, so I let record it. <laughs> so and let I haven't had a chance to watch it. All right. So here's my I concerns. Bet. I'll just go right to it then. <laughs> my concerns are in the trenches. I thought the defensive line did a great job against the run. I thought the front seven did a great job against the run overall. The I am concerned get, about getting more pass rushing. And that's going to be something we're going to want to watch out for with the Browns. The Browns' offensive line is it's interesting. Let's just say that, especially with our old pal Greg Robinson on the left-hand side. I want to see who that's going to be a fun matchup. Aaron Dahl yeah. on that side next to going against Greg Robinson. Oh, I, I just want wait. him to. I just want to kill him the whole game because I hate Greg Robinson. I never wanted him at two. I wanted Khalil Mack at two. So beat him to death. <laughs> Be, show I, him. Show him. What I knew he was coming out of college, which was a six foot seven, three hundred and thirty pound softy. Well, to be honest, you weren't alone, and I'm sure the Rams thought, you know, what we can develop, we can get him in there, and it didn't work. And it has ego, worked. egos, egos. We egos, can fix yeah, sure. anything. Oh my god! But on the same token, he has been decent up, down, up here in Cleveland. He's been, I'm not saying great, but he's he's been decent. This is why he's back. Now the offensive side of the ball, though. You know, getting a good chance to, to watch Cleveland on Monday night and seeing what Miles Garrett is, that has me concerned. He'll be going up against you Big Wit. He's sweet. <laughs> he's sweet, but you know what? He's also reckless. He's also reckless, you know, hurting Trevor Simeon, getting a couple penalties in that game, you know, and the Rams are going to be ready for that. We don't need to see Jared Goff getting hurt. They're going to have to have a plan for him, and whatever it's going to be, that's what concerns me. If they can, if if the offensive line to me, here's my here's my prediction. Okay, now, and when we talk to when I talk to Zach Jackson later uh, about this, my prediction is very simple. If the Rams' offensive line holds against that Browns' pass rush, they it's not even a close game to blow out. I'm that confident. The the matchup is bad defensively for the Browns against that Rams' offense. If they have a good offensive line going on, if they have a good pass blocking scheme going. Okay, if they can stop Garrett. Okay. Flip it around. The Browns' offense is not a match for the Rams' defense. It is not a match at all. The kind of quarterback Baker Mayfield is right now in his development is the kind of quarterback who is a gunslinger. He'll make mistakes. He'll throw into coverage. And this Rams' secondary will eat that man alive. You don't stand a chance, not with our guys. No. You have to be a very, very disciplined quarterback against the Rams secondary to be successful. And that's not who Baker Baker, Baker, Baker Mayfield is right now. Baker Mayfield is totally... It's a terrible name, by the way. I, I'm not even going there. I'm just saying Baker Mayfield right now is that gunslinger, that it. guy. What? <laughs> Nobody can even say his name without tripping... Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield. So bad. I'll tell you this though, watching him shotgun Baker, that beer. Baker, the baker's man, bake me a cake as fast as you can. Oh my god. That's really what you named did, your wait, son? <laughs> <laughs> wait, did you did you see him shotgun the beer at the uh, Indians Angels game? Now, yeah, that was that funny. That was cool, man. That he, was funny. Dude, so a lot of people don't like him. I like him. He's right up my alley. Listen, if I was his age and had all that money, and was the star of a city, and man, I would just have fun and enjoy it. Why? Why not? Life is short, dude. Come on, man. Well, in that case, have the fun. I, I don't. He's he's allowed he's to watch. Baseball. I enjoy he's him. He's allowed to drink alcohol. It's legal in this country. He's sure. of age. Yeah, I mean, he can have a beer. Like, it's okay if you're famous to be normal. You know? Sure. Well, if one of us did it, no one would even bat an eye. But you all, my, but geez, you 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 just go. You take us off in tangents. All I'm saying here is, <laughs> if 
he's a gunslinger on Monday night, and he will. But you can't change a tiger's stripes in a week. The, the Rams secondary is going to eat him alive. And, nah, I, and mini, I like the guy. He's a mini. He's a mini Brett Favre, dude. And that's the reason why I've made this argument, and people hate me for it. I've made the argument that I believe Brett Favre is overrated. Not that he's not a Hall of Famer, but overrated in terms of that level because he was such a gunslinger. He was so much a gunslinger that he made mistakes that oftentimes hurt his teams in critical situations. When he had to play against great defenses, he folded because he never studied in the film room. He admitted on the podium mm-hmm. a few months ago. And you and that I have talked about that. what a nickel defense was. We yeah, talked we, and we've talked that. about that. We've talked yeah. about Sure. He didn't even so, know what a nickel defense was, a Hall of Fame quarterback, dude. <laughs> because you know what he was? He was that he was like the ultimate pickup game player. He was the ultimate yeah. the guy who could run street down there. Ball to mm-hmm. the max. Street ball at the at the NFL level. And you know, there's a lot that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of great stuff to watch. But you know what? That two thousand one Rams defense shredded him. I know, six interception, bro. I watched the game. My uh-huh. buddy's a Packers fan, and we, uh-huh. I went to his house to watch it, and I was like, bro, do you actually think you're yeah. going to win today? You told that he's story. always delusional. Uh-huh. He always thinks they're going to win, and I was like, bro, this is going to get ugly fast. And he was he had his arms folded within a quarter and a half. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, if I'm the, and thinking all that, if I'm the Browns, I'm coming out right away. I'm, I'm sticking to short passing game. I'm, I am I am trying my darndest to attack the middle of the Rams defense, which teams for some reason don't want to do right now. And that's where I would try and go. And they're not doing it. That's, I wouldn't. That's, you know why? Because <laughs> there's this kid from Washington who I said is going to get more snaps at linebacker this year than Brace Heiger. Brace whatever. Bryce Hager. <laughs> yeah. And I'm already winning that bet, by the way, because Taylor Rapp is out there killing people. But even so, that middle is, is vulnerable. Much more vulnerable than the sidelines are to me. Well, I mean that secondary has that stuff covered, man. No, I'm just saying. I, I agree. If you're going to attack the Rams' defense right now on paper, pick your poison. It's all they're all good, right? But where are you going to go? The most vulnerable spot is in that middle. Yeah, the, it, it is until it isn't, right? So right now, that's the case. That's where I would try to take ask what test. I would not be going downfield. It was bananas to me to see some of the throws that Baker Mayfield was going for. So there you go. I mean, that's all <laughs> when I go there. To me, I'm going to make the call. I'm going to talk with Zach Jackson later, but I do want to get your prediction. What are you calling this game out to be? Score? Yeah, what you, what's your score going to be? Uh, 37-17. I'm going 35-20. All right, so I don't think I don't think it's going to be close, and it's not a knock on the Browns, dude. They're just not there yet. They got all these new superstar players. They're trying to figure it all out, and before you know it, if everything works out, they'll be, you know, in in that top oh, sure. five AFC teams, right? I believe sure. that they're that good talent wise. As long as they can rein Baker in a little bit, I think they're going to be special, and I think the AFC is going to be teams like the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns at some point down the road that are going to be fighting for playoff spots and, and you know, positioning for Super Bowls if they can hold it together. I don't like the whole, you know, oh, well, they're just the Cleveland Browns, so they're automatically always going to suck no matter who they put in that uniform. If this doesn't work out, then that curse myth theory will, might come, might be more realistic, right? Because since, what, they came back to the NFL in 1999, I mean, no matter who you put under that brown, you know, those Browns uniforms, it's like you put Superman in the uniform and they put it on and they become Clark Kent, right? 
Well, yeah. That's well, the thing about, what we've been seeing over time, right? Well, the thing about the Browns, too, is, is it's actually pretty simple to me. They're young. They're talented. They have all the tools, but you just put this roster together. You have a new coaching staff. They're together, and you take time to gel. Those, this Browns team is going to be a totally different team in Week 16 than it is now. Absolutely. They're going to get better throughout the year, and those folks who are trashing the Browns right now are going to be thinking back in week three and hearing us say this. I'm telling you, the Browns, it's going to be, to me, it's Browns and Ravens in this division. That's Oh, yeah. It's Browns and Ravens. We're going to get to that, folks. Before we do, we want to give a shout-out to our sponsor. That is Jim Hawk. Jim Hawk, he wrote this great book about the 1950s Rams called Hollywood Team Great Glamour, the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the story of his father on the team he played for an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You can read about plays with Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Craig Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawks' book online at hallwasteam.com and on Twitter at hallwasteam. It's also available in hardback, electronic form, and soon paperback at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other booksellers across the internet. Folks, it's worth it. It's a great read. We've been we've been advertising this for a couple years now. We've had Jim on the show. We need to have him back again. He's, he's passionate about the Rams, very passionate, and he's giving all of his proceeds to this book. They go to Homeboy Industries, which is an organization that provides an avenue, really, for gang members to get out of that society into our society, back into American society as productive members of it. And so there you go. It's always seeing grit, glamour in the 19th East Los Angeles Rams. Also want to give a shout out to our guys over at Big Heads Media. Check out another newest promo. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Carol. And we're the hosts of Retro Late Fee. We are stuck in 1994. And we can't get out. <laughs> We're watching all the movies and TV shows that you probably remember, I guess. Somehow we're speaking to you through some kind of time portal. Right. Uh, join us every week for great movies and TV shows from 25 years ago. <laughs> it's fun, I swear. All right, it's time to talk some Browns football with Zach Jackson with the Athletic Cleveland. He's also hosting the A to Z podcast. Here it is. Check it out. All right, folks, I'm here with Zach Jackson from the Athletic in Cleveland, also host of the A to Z podcast. Zach, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm getting hyped up for this game. It's a little bit special for me and my family, as uh, most of my family are actually Browns fans. I'm the lone wolf who went the other way as a Rams fan. And now getting to talk with you about this game, you know, it, it means a lot to us here. And right away, though, it's been really interesting, I guess the word is for it, watching the Browns play these first two weeks, getting blown out the way they did in week one. Week two, a nice win, but showing some issues. What do you make of these two of the 2019 Cleveland Browns as far, especially considering their offensive problems? Well, you know, uh, offensive problems, I guess, I don't know. I want to say problems is too strong a word. Maybe it's not. Um, I think just in the context of two games, it is. I think in the context of the Rams being like a finished product and looking like they're capable of going back to the Super Bowl, um, you know, coming in, it is. Um, but I think it was always going to take time for the Browns. You know, the line played so well late last year. Uh, everything clicked. Baker got the ball out quickly. They attacked downfield. 
they mixed up formations. You know, I just think it was a little bit unrealistic to think you were going to pick right back up at that speed, even adding Odell Beckham, who's as good as anyone, maybe as good as anyone's ever been, right? Um, I think they did a good job upgrading the defense. But, you know, this is a team that has a new head coach, new coordinators across the board, and new guys in key positions, even the experienced, talented, well-paid guys that have been there, which is only a few. This is a team full of guys that have never really won anything. So it was always going to take time. Um, Week one was certainly a thud, and week two was no work of art um, because even Miles Garrett, who dominated the game, you know, had as many more penalty yards than he got sack yards. But, um, you know, I I think the Browns, I I can't say they're on the right track, but I also – can't say that you should write them off or dismiss them. Uh, I think there's enough talent for this year and the years to come. And I, I just think if the offense figures it out and the defense plays pretty well, anytime you have Beckham, you're not really out of a game. You're a play away from a play that can change a game and, and change a season. Just kind of reflecting on what you're saying there, is it one of these cases where, hey, this is a team that has not won anything? I mean, this is a culture that's been just beaten down over the years. Is it just the case of realizing, hey, you know, we can play winning football. We, we have the talent to compete. It's just a matter of gelling. Is that where you think things could be, or is it more of hey, it's yeah, a young team overall? Yeah, it is a young team overall. It's, one of the, it's still one of the league's youngest teams overall. I think it's part just a matter of gelling. And that's everything from, you know, the calls and the schemes to guys playing together. But I just think bigger picture, it's they have to take that middle step. I mean, 0-16 to 7 wins was huge. But you know how good you have to be in this league to get there and stay there? You know how good the Patriots and the Rams and the Saints and the Chiefs and all the I could keep going are? You know, the Browns aren't there yet. They, ne- they never were going to be there in September. 2019 no, no matter how many magazine covers or how many ridiculous predictions or how good um seven eight and one felt after zero and 16 so they're still the most talented team in their division i mean most of these guys are 25 26 and under and under contract for many years i just think um <laughs> put it this way if they start two and five i think they're going to be okay and i think they're going to start two and five you're two and five wow <laughs> And I wasn't thinking well, I mean, too. Tell me who they're going to beat. You know, I mean, this is true. You know, and looking at the game this weekend, it's looking. Just let me just say it this way: watching the Browns Jets last night, it was a nice win for them. I'm seeing things that match up with the Rams that aren't good for them. And I'm even talking Baker Mayfield himself. He's not a good matchup for that Rams secondary. So, what are you seeing? How does that that Browns offense match up with the Rams defense? And what are your X factors there? Well, the O-line is struggling. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's too strong a word. I think it is. Uh, I think the O-line is still trying to figure things out. And then Aaron Donald will just kill you, right? Um, we haven't even gotten to the other pass rushers and, and the guys, the Rams play in the front seven defense that have been in the league for five, seven, 12 years, right? Um, so that's a bad matchup. And on the other side, a, re- a really bad matchup is, is the Browns, as good as, as talented as they are on defense, they are not a good tackling team, and they are an over-aggressive team. And the Rams, with the short passing game and the ability to turn swings and quick comeback routes into big games, is a bad, bad matchup for the Browns. It, it just really is. So that, on the surface, is what I see there. And that's before you have Sean McVay versus Freddie Kitchens, which 
doesn't really seem like a fair fight at this point. And that's kind of where I wanted to go next with the coaching stats, but in this match you're talking about the Browns offense and I guess the Rams defense. Is there any X factor there that could change the game for you? Well, Beckham can change the game at any time. And, you know, when you, when you sit and think, okay, well, how, how can the Browns win? You know, uh, it's, it's, it's get, get the ball to Beckham without forcing it to him. It's maybe make the Rams think that they're going to force it to him and find something else. And it's certainly run it with Nick Chubb to keep your defense off the field, to build a lead, to keep the crowd in. The crowd's going to be electric, you know, and, and just to put pressure on the tour, the Rams have to make plays and have to make them down the field. I, I just think the first 15 to 20 minutes of this game are crucial for the Browns. Find that offensive rhythm, mix things up, and, you know, not about hitting 80 yarders, but moving the ball and establishing that confidence. I mean, they can do it. Um, Mayfield has not been as accurate as he was most of last year. He has not played with the confidence that which he played most of last year. And frankly, he has been on the ground more than he was last year tenfold. <laughs> and that's through two games. So when you think about all the guys that the Rams have, that's a really scary proposition. And on the flip side, the Rams offense against the Browns defense, is there anybody defensively for the Browns that can change the game for you in a heartbeat? Well, yeah, Miles Garrett. I mean, everybody's starting to see it. He came back to you know the way I look at it is is he's not a rookie, but he's like a second year guy. Um, you know, he came out of college early, which everyone know knew. He played on an awful team. He had, he was injured twice. It was like a lost year. So then last year he started putting up numbers, but he played too many snaps. Um, he missed some plays, and it was just like he needed that to where he could go back and say to himself okay, I can do this. Like, I, I am better than most of these guys. So, you know, he, he watched the film. He took 10 pounds off. He got more explosive. And I just think he, he this year, his mindset is dominate the game rather than last year. His mindset was make a big play and show I belong, but that maybe not necessarily follow that play up, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the Browns linebackers were non-existent in week one. They were really good last week. Now, they were playing a JV offense, but when you think about Todd Gurley and the way the Rams play offense, your linebackers have to have a good game. They have to tackle. They have to pursue. They can't get fooled by the screen game. They have to get guys to the ground. And just the Browns are just not a good tackling team. They're, they are an aggressive defense, and that's how they got the turnovers last year under Greg Williams. Um, that's how they've made the plays in the backfield that they've made this year under Steve Wilkes but you can burn them in the screen game and you can burn them with an off-tackle run where one guy cuts back or one guy misses and it goes for a long way. Now, your coaching staff, though, has a pretty tall task of having going against Wade Phillips on the defensive coordinator for the Rams. You know, Sean McVay is finding new ways to evolve, especially when teams are figuring them out. How does this coaching staff fit for the Browns? Like, What is... Tell us more about them, I guess, for those who out west who don't know anything about Freddie Kitchens and his team. Well, Freddie Kitchens was a longtime assistant with the Cardinals um, who came here last year as a running backs coach and associate head coach and followed his old buddy Todd Haley. And then it blew up at midseason. Haley and Hugh got hot, uh, fired. Freddie was calling plays for the first time in his life. Baker got hot, and they couldn't break those guys up. Um, now, he is a... It's never a good idea for a first-time coach to be a play caller. It rarely is. Let me say that. He's doing that. Um, 
you know, he's just in a new role. And, and I'm not going to say he's over his head. I'm not going to say anything for flop for two games. Uh, the grades have been way short of A's. <laughs> just in, in everything, the presentation, um, the management, everything. Uh, I will say one, one thing I think helps the Browns this week is the defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, who was Arizona's head coach last year. And even though they were outmanned, they played the Rams twice, obviously. So he's seen this up close. He's seen the adjustments. Um, he knows the personnel really well. So that should help. Um, the Browns' special teams were abysmal last year. They're off to a much better start. I think that's an upgrade in talent and in coaching. Um, they still have rookie kickers at both spots, but those guys have been uh, and we're between solid and spectacular so far. So, um, you know, the, the Browns are, like I said, they're, they're a pretty good team. And on talent, they are in the top quarter of teams that the Rams are going to see all year long. Um, are they ready right now to play with the poise, maturity, and execution it's going to take over four quarters to beat the Rams? Uh, I, I'll have to believe that to see it, but I do expect a competitive game and a fun game because there's some serious star power in this field. For this coaching stuff, you mentioned less than grade A. Okay, Can you tell us <laughs> some of the, the flaws you're seeing? And is it really just him being new at this job, new at figuring it out? Well, you know, I can't answer that fully because we don't know the operation. Right? There's an offensive coordinator, Todd Monkhead, but he doesn't call the plays, right? So Freddie's still calling the plays. He's the head coach. Uh, Ryan Lindley's promoted to quarterback's coach. So we know what we see and we know what we saw last year. We don't know, you know, what's really going on in the communication from Tuesday to Sunday morning and then from 1 to 4 on Sunday. We really don't know that. We can, I can tell you it doesn't look the same. I can tell you that Baker's accuracy and decision making have gone down. Um, you know, they, they just—he's he, missed some throws, right? Now he—he's made a couple to Beckham, and really, I thought Beckham had a solid game in Week One. It got away from the Browns, and like when I talk about the decision making, they tried to go play action, five-step drop out of their own end zone um, in Week One when their offensive line was just getting dominated, and shockingly, it ended in a safety. Right, and then late in the game, the interceptions—one that got run back. I mean, they, it was just desperation time. It's, it's what happens in the NFL when a good defense can just pin its ears back and come at you because they just beat on you, right? Um, so it, it's those things. Um, like in Week One, the Titans had two starters out. The Browns have, you know, one of the best defensive lines in football. Uh, the Browns appeared completely unprepared for a screen pass game. <laughs> like they were shocked that it was going to happen, and the Titans not only used it all day long, but took one of them 75 yards for a touchdown to where Derrick Henry catches the ball, makes one cut, and there's one defender that even has a chance. It's, you know, just chasing him up the sideline. So, you know, little things like that. Now, um, when it is a new staff, when it is a young team, you start to go up. Uh, they did get a win as bad as the Jets were. And now you get in the time of the year, late September, early October, where the good teams start to figure it out. What what are we really good at? You know, what what do we fall back on? And that was kind of my concern with the Browns, just so many moving pieces to start with. So I do expect the Browns to be much better this week and into the future. I mean, the problem is they play the Rams this week at home, and then they go two straight road games after this. So they better figure it out quickly or things are going to start to slip away. How do the Rams stop the Browns' offense right now? Well, you have to take away Baker's first read, which is Austin Odell. Uh, and you just you have to get pressure. 
And, um, you know, the Rams can do that. The Rams can do that with the front, with Donald. They can do that with mixing things up the way they do and bringing rushers from everywhere. So I just think it, it's you have to make Baker hesitate. When the Browns are clicking, it's three steps, three-step drop, get the ball out, it's play action to attack the middle, and then all those, those things kind of <clears throat> open up, right? So they, they need to stop the run, and they need to take away those, those quick reads to the perimeter, specifically because if you get those out, uh, Beckham and Landry both can take short passes and turn them into big games. I mean, Jarvis Landry is just like does dirty work at five, six, eight yards and then punishes guys or slips away from them. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think both teams they've played have done a relatively good job uh, of taking away Baker's first read, making him hold the ball, making him susceptible to the rush or to getting to his third read. Um, you know, they have a really good slot receiver, really underrated slot receiver in Richard Higgins who played in week one but got hurt late in the first half and hasn't played since. They've now lost their tight end, David Njoku, uh, possibly for the season, but at least for a long time. So what the Rams need to do is just really devote a lot of attention to Landry and Beckham and make the other guys beat them. Well, um, how things were over there at the Athletic. Are you letting them make a prediction or what? Yeah, um, you know, my prediction is the, is the Browns come out with a lot of energy. They haven't had a Sunday night game in 11 years. Uh, that sounds ridiculous. It's true. Um, the weather's going to be beautiful here in Cleveland, and people are going to be fired up. They're going to be really drunk. They're going to be excited. And, and I think um, I think the Browns will have a better offensive game plan early on um, than they've had. But I just, I just think the class of the Rams – um, from from head coach, to, you know, all the way down to the middle of the roster in terms of experience, in terms of what they do, I just think some of the things they do are, are bad matchups for the Browns. And I think over the course of four quarters, that they they make enough big plays, and and by that I, I think I mean simple short passes that go for big gains um, to kind of break the Browns' will and um, go on and win. You know, I think twenty four will be enough to win this game. I really do. Um, so I think the team that turns it over the least kind of wins the field position battle and gets to 24. So I'll take the Rams 24 to 20. 24. So you're saying a close game here. Close game. Yeah, I think a competitive. I think a competitive game. But but to me, through two games, and then obviously into the past, right? But through two games this year, the Rams are are, are clearly the better team, and this this stage is not going to be too big for them, right? I think they've proven that time and again. The hell, they just played in the Super Bowl. Right, so, yep. so I think a close competitive game. Um, I do expect the Browns to play better. I do expect the Browns' defensive front to give Goff some some trouble. Um, you know, the, the Rams. What they have two new offensive linemen, right? I mean, yeah. this is a really good front: Richardson, Vernon, Ogan, Joby, Garrett. And these are some big time dudes, like four Pro Bowl quality dudes. And Garrett, if, if Aaron Donald's not the defensive player of the year, it's going to be Garrett. <laughs> like, so. They're good, um, but I just think over the course of four quarters, and I think you know one to, to forty five. I think the Rams are a little bit better. All right. Well, Zach, can you let people know where they can find you uh, in terms of your podcast, in terms of your work, all that stuff? Okay. So at the Athletic, uh, Akron Jackson is my Twitter handle, my Instagram handle, and uh, A to Z Podcast is where you can find me. And then in the Athletic app is our Browns podcast, which is called Civilized Barking. Awesome. Thanks again so much for taking the time, and 
And I hope one day soon, i.e. come Super Bowl time, we'll be having a conversation again. All right. We'll see. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. All right, Tommy. I can't wait for this game. I'm, I'm actually stoked. You know I'm going to be there. I'll hobble my way up the big, big flight of stairs to get to my seat. But there is something else I want to talk with you about before we hit the road today, and that is the history of these two teams. We mentioned a little bit earlier, but there is a lot of history between the Rams, the Browns, that 1950 NFL championship game. The Rams lose that one last minute, 30-28. They get their vengeance a year later, win the 1951 NFL title, 24-17 over the Browns. The Eric Dickerson game in 1987, which happens to be the first Rams game I've ever watched, I did ever watch. That was on Monday night. Browns win that game 30-19. It was Eric Dickerson's last game before he's traded. There is a lot of history, and even before that, even before that, the Rams played in Cleveland. And one of the causes for them leaving Cleveland was the emergence of the Browns, the awarding of the contract to Municipal Stadium, to Paul Browns, Cleveland Browns. And here we are all these years later, and it's probably the biggest Rams-Browns meeting Jeez, I mean, I'm really trying to think. It's it's been it's the biggest one at least thirty years, at least. Back then, almost every city on the East Coast had two NFL teams, right? That's how all the teams ended up in the West, right? A lot of them had two teams. Didn't Chicago? They had well, they had the Cardinals and they had the Bears. The Cleveland had the Rams and the Browns. Um, the Giants had the and then the Yankees. The New York Yankees for the AAFC. I'm trying to think was another one for for New York as well. Basically, sports started on the East yeah. Coast and, and got real west. clogged up because it's still. If you look at geographically, if you look at the map of the NFL and you you know the United States and you got all the logos all over it, most of them are in the Northeast, you know, and then they're spread out, you know, here and there and everywhere, right? It's pretty clogged up still, well, but imagine how clogged up it would have been if it would have stayed the way it was wasn't economically sustainable, but another, another part of the history, too, is when the Rams moved to L.A. for that first time, that was when the NFL was re-desegregated. That was part of the, the whole obligation the Rams had to meet when they moved back to California was they were going to have to desegregate, and that was when you saw Kenny Washington and Woody Strode and you know, all those guys getting signed, and that was a big deal. That's, that's history. So mm-hmm. these teams have some... There's actually a book that was written about it. Jim Solari... I had him on the show years ago talking about his book on the Cleveland Rams, and that had a lot of that great history talking about those years and then the drafting of Bob Waterfield. And, you know, there is so much to really enjoy out of this game. It's almost a shame they only play once every four years because if you're a history nerd like me, I'm just eating this stuff up, and I live in the area. To, so to be able to go to the game and really get the feel of there's something. Well, you haven't been here, right? You've never been in this area. There's some, is this such a football area? Such a like this is the traditional, the stereotypical football town, football city, football region. They just live, eat, drink football. Falls here with all the leaves and the and the cool breeze that comes through the weather. It is all made for football. So I can see the Rams in that environment and with all the history. It's going to be special for me. Even if I'm crawling up the stairs on Sunday night, it's going to be really, really special for me to talk about. And, dude, I'm going to tell you, man, I wish you could be out here to see it. Yeah, I wish you would have used your knee to your advantage and got wheelchair access, knucklehead. 
I, you know, I keep having people ask me about that. My buddy's going to the game, and he's asked me about that. Like, you know, it's... Listen, people that aren't injured all the time fake it at amusement parks. The least you can do is take advantage of it <laughs> since you are injured. <laughs> I don't even know how that works. You know, Find out. It's, I, I guess I can call, but, I mean, it's something like an old man, you know, falling apart. Well, I kind of feel like I am. Listen, if you get a sweets, like, okay, let me give you an idea. So at the Coliseum, they have sections all the way around that when you walk into the Coliseum ground level entrances, on that same level, there's handicapped seats that you're sitting in your own row and you have a rail in front of you and nobody's in front of you. Dude, you got to take advantage of that, bro. I don't know if that's how it works there. My buddy texted me at night asked me about that. I mean, I told him. Listen, if I have to crawl up those steps, I'm going. Because he's like, he's asking, are you going? And and my wife's even saying, are you still going? Like, yeah. And, and part, of the, part of the reason is, A, we pay get money for those freaking seats. And B, I don't know if come November, when you and I are supposed to go, I mean, I should know soon, but I it's not a guarantee that, that I won't be able to go to that, or we'll be able to go to that game. So if you are going, I keep you, know, you got to let me know, by the way. Come on. Yeah, there's a good chance I'm not. Go stop it. Weak sauce. Weak Sorry, sauce. Dude. You have an open house waiting for you. No, no, no. I understand. But I have two stadiums I'm paying for right now. <laughs> like, dude, being a season ticket holder is financially daunting, especially when they're building a stupid palace in Inglewood that I'm paying for at the same time. It's a beautiful, stupid palace, though. It is, but it's not beautiful on my wallet. This is true. This is true. <laughs> All right, folks. It is time for us to hit the road. Before we do go, we are looking for sponsors. If you are interested in doing some advertising with us, we could really use the good business. So reach out to us at ramstop1945 at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media ready to get out to you. I promise it's well worth it for you to do some work with us. Any final thoughts today, Tommy? Any final thoughts at all? Yeah, I'm texting Brittany right now to see how I can get you a handicap seating. Are you serious? Not kidding. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right, so there's your final thoughts. My final thoughts are I cannot wait for this. It means the world to me to go see the Rams and Browns play. Most of my family are Browns fans. Um, there's only one time I ever cheer for the Browns to lose when they play the Rams. So it's really special to me. It's, it's Browns fans, um, you have my sympathies <laughs> for um, all these years, but for this one, got to call the Rams. I think the Rams win this one. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can also join the Rams Talk group, the Rams Talk room. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo and Tommy Avance at Ram Tommy in LA. You can also find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Apple Music, and all those wonderful places. So for Tommy and the entire Rams Talk staff, this is Derek C. Paul saying take it easy. Have a great one. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department.